The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. The opinions expressed in the Rough House podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet-purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast, courtesy of the Realm Network, here at the Rough House, where black people and white people watch wrestling. And Hispanic people, too. And all people. Hey, thank you for tuning in to a very special edition of The Rough House. If you have been listening with any frequency, and I hope you have, thank you to everybody that contributes on the Realm Network, our Patreon subscriber fan base. You've heard me bring up my new fascination, my my favorite new program. It's a part of MLW Radio. It helps me reflect on times in wrestling that I somehow trouble have trouble conveying to some of our newer, younger listeners pre-attitude era, pre-rock and wrestling era. This is old WWF. This is old WCW. Uh, This is something to wrestle with and what happened when Conrad Thompson joining us on the program. Conrad, good morning, sir. Thank you for joining us. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on and talk a little wrestling with you. Dude, I have to give credit where credit's due right off the bat. I was turned on to you and your program. There's a comedian by the name of Mike Lawrence who actually won season one of Comedy Central's Roast Battle. And he's a guy that I've done some stand-up with. And he and I really connected over wrestling from some of the shows that we did. And he said... And this might have been around the time you guys released your steroid trial episode. He said, you have to listen to this new podcast. It's got Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love, and this guy named Conrad Thompson. And it's unlike any wrestling podcast you've ever heard. And I, I have to credit you for doing something that a lot of my favorite podcasts, not just wrestling, do. Uh, this is included with Serial. This is Liar City. Uh, this is uh, the Chad Dukes Wrestling Show. It's the level of research that you do prior to these episodes is absolutely mind-numbing. Well, I appreciate that, man. We wanted to do something that was completely different, as you mentioned, and I felt like uh, what had kind of become the norm in wrestling podcast landscape was kind of boring, and it was challenging, you know, to go ahead and find a guest 52 weeks a year that your audience was going to find interesting. It seemed like you couldn't ever really connect with an audience and uh, start building any momentum if guys were just going to essentially cherry pick who they wanted to listen to. And, oh, I find him interesting, I'll listen. Oh, I haven't heard him before, I'll listen. 
Uh, but there's so many wrestling podcasts and so few guys that we think people would be interested in hearing from that you start to see the same names across a lot of different platforms. And so inevitably, they all talk about the same thing. How did you get started in the business? You know, what, what were your favorite matches? Blah, blah, blah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But once you've done that for a few years, which I felt like we had at that point, where do you go from there? So I always enjoyed the little details and finding out the little secrets that maybe just weren't out there in every shoot interview already. So this format made sense, especially when you had someone like Bruce who was there and uh, on the inside with Vince McMahon and had a unique perspective that really no one can even challenge him on because so many of those meetings and decisions were made at a three-person table with Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and Bruce Pritchard. So uh, Bruce is talking, but Vince and Pat aren't. So when Bruce says something, we kind of have to take it as gospel. But I challenge that, and that's what makes the show fun. And that's one of the things I enjoy so much about it is that we'll have a, a, a lot of listeners, and ourselves, we'll do this. We're, we're, we're more marks. We're fans. We're audience members. And we truly know nothing of the inner circle of pro wrestling, of booking committees, of writers' rooms, of the boys in the locker room. And to have that level of access that you do with something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love, and now what happened when with Tony Schiavone to give me that bookend of WCW knowledge from the inside is truly incredible. Yeah, it's unlike anything else that I think is out there. And we borrowed a little bit of the concept from a shoot interview format uh, run by Kayfabe Commentaries. They have a phenomenal timeline series where they sit down with a talent who was there and they break down everything that happened in the calendar year in that promotion. Some of the stuff will involve the talent in question, but a lot of it will just be about other stuff going on inside the territory. And I thought that was fascinating. And it is really cool. Uh, I recommend it to everyone. Go check it out. It's the timeline series from Kayfabe Commentaries. But what they didn't have was someone who was there writing the stuff for everyone, and that's what Bruce provides. So a lot of the times, you know, a honky-tonk man may be fuzzy on what exactly they were hoping to do with Hulk Hogan in a certain month or year, uh, but Bruce would not be because Bruce would have been privy to those meetings, and Bruce managed to keep a lot of you know his old notes and his old booking sheets, and he's got a lot of that stuff he can pour, to the, pour through uh, at, at his disposal. So it's been invaluable from the research component of our show. Talk to me about how you actually met Bruce Pritchard, because you guys, it's not just the knowledge that he imparts and the great questions that you ask and the follow-up questions. It's the relationship between you and Bruce that is as entertaining as the questions and the stories that he tells. I mean, most recently I looked to, you guys did a great bonus episode about No Holds Barred and Zeus, and, and I loved it, and there were so many great backstories there. But towards the middle, maybe three-quarter mark, you guys get in each other's asses. I mean, it gets, it gets weird, it gets awkward, but it's, it's entertaining, and you guys just have such a great rapport, almost like an old married couple that's been together too long. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, and that's kind of the way we describe each other when people you know, kind of question it. And that wasn't necessarily the plan. The plan was certainly to have a debate format of a show where you know, you've got someone who was on the inside who thinks that dirt sheets are all rumor and innuendo, and then you've got somebody who kind of grew up on the outside reading those dirt sheets so, you know, kind of thinking back to the old CNN uh, political talk format, crossfire style shows, 
where it's point counterpoint. That's what the whole concept was. But our relationship aspect is just from us working together in real life. I met Bruce uh, maybe three years ago now. Uh, I met him through Ric Flair. And uh, one thing leads to another. Bruce and I hit it off, and we realized we have an opportunity to do real-life business together. Uh, Bruce has a uh, recruiting and sales and marketing background and television production background. Uh, I promote my company and my mortgage businesses through television and radio and various other ventures. So he had some knowledge there that we could work together on. We did a project. It was successful. We did another project. It was successful. Before you know it, Bruce and I are working together on several campaigns. So it lent itself to us spending some time together, whether we would be traveling together or he would be here in Huntsville. And when he would be here in Huntsville, he would just stay at my house, which uh, guys in the wrestling business have nicknamed the Conradison. Uh, and, and one thing leads to another, and we're just on the couch one day, and I said, hey, man, what happened when? And uh, he started telling stories. And before you knew it, I realized, hey, man, that was a podcast. That's what people really want to hear. Uh, the, and the, the story that really stuck out to me was not a Hulk Hogan story. It wasn't an Ultimate Warrior story. It wasn't a Macho Man or a Steve Austin story. It was about the Radicals, and I wasn't a huge Radicals fan, but the little details and the way he spent time telling that story made me realize, hey, you know what? He got me interested in something I didn't even think I was interested in. That's a good podcast. And the radical story, the way he told it to me at my house, was the motivation to actually start the podcast. That is fascinating. It's not just the the interactions in the ring, because what's in the ring and on the Monday night and Tuesday night shows and on the, the special events on Sundays on the network, we all see, but it's the negotiations like you brought up with the Radicals, what it took to get all four of those men from WCW over to the WWE, then WWF, is it's incredible. And he does have, for the most part, a pretty incredible memory about those periods in time. And I'm glad you referenced that that period in time, the, the, the jump of the Radicals to the WWE and you know them jumping ship from WCW. Because, Conrad, you and I are about the same age, and you and I, it seems to have kind of grown up with parallel fandoms. And uh, I do have a co-host here. His name is uh, Chris Like-A-Lot, but... You know, I'm I'm the real primary MLW radio listener and something to wrestle with and what happened when listener. And and I do feel a certain kinship with you when I hear you discuss times in wrestling and periods that you'd enjoyed. And I wanted to ask you of all periods in wrestling, WWE focused for the most part of WWF, what really was your favorite? The the superstars era, the new generation, uh, attitude, ruthless aggression, or, or the current. What what era do you look back with with the most fondness? Well, I'm I'm a little unique as a wrestling fan in that I kind of just find something I enjoy on every show. And I know there's a lot of people who complain about Raw these days and say, oh, it's too long and it shouldn't be three hours and this is crap and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, you could do that with pretty much anything. I don't think I've liked every minute of every movie I've ever seen or every minute of every television show or news broadcast or anything in between. I usually just try to find one or two things that I really like that keep me coming back the next week. And I've been able to do that through most of my wrestling fandom, even today. Uh, but my two favorite years by far are 1989 and 1997, but for totally different reasons. But maybe the same reason. Uh, I first discovered wrestling um, after WrestleMania IV. Um, my parents rented a video cassette for me, which was the double VHS cassette for WrestleMania IV. And I wore that thing out. I loved it. And that's what kind of got me hooked. So that would have been towards the end of 88. 
So 89 was my first year. I was all in. Uh, and then I kind of got out of wrestling for a little bit and I started to get back in towards the end of 1996. I would say the fall of 96, maybe September, October, somewhere in there. And I was all in for 1997. So I think that's part of the reason that I gravitate back to those two years. Number one, both companies were on fire, whether it's the WWF or WCW. Creatively, they just had lots of really good stuff going. You know, down south in 89, you had the Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair trilogy. You had uh, Ric Flair and Terry Funk in the I Quit match. Just lots of great stuff. Guys we don't even really talk about that much, like Great Muda, Sting, Lex Luger, the Steiner Brothers. They were all there, and they were doing big business. Well, then you go north, and they had one of my favorite WrestleManias ever, WrestleMania Five, the heel Macho Man, and the Mega Powers are going to explode with him taking on Hulk Hogan for the world title. I absolutely loved that year. We also got Zeus that summer. Uh, it was a big year for me as a wrestling fan. Well, then 97 is kind of when WCW started to really pull ahead of the WWF, and uh, the WWF had had monumental losses in 95 and 96, and 97, they started to pull the nose up a little bit. Uh, that's where we got the Montreal Screwjob, the start of the Attitude Era, the rise of Steve Austin. So without a doubt, my two favorite years, I can't really pick an era, but my two favorite years are 89 and 97. Now, shifting gears to the other newly launched podcast, I believe you're on episode four, Clash of the Champions 1, Jim Crockett Promotions, alongside Tony Schiavone. That I, I was just over the moon with all these great stories from WWE, WWF, and then when I found out you were doing this companion podcast... Honestly, it was like it was like Christmas. I I because I was a big unlike my co-host, and he fully owns it. He was always a WWF, WWE, and now more recently, he's into New Japan and Lucha a little bit more than I am. I should watch it more. I don't. I just there's only so many hours in the day to watch the twenty hours of wrestling. I was a huge WCW alongside WWF fan, even prior to 97, right around kind of Kevin Sullivan, Dungeon of Doom, you know, the, the latter years of the Varsity Club, which you guys cover very well recently in this last episode. Uh, how did you come across being able to work with Shivani and convince him to, to put in the kind of work alongside you that you and Bruce do now? Well, that was just a happy accident. You know, we saw the momentum uh, going with the WWF uh, show with Bruce, and Bruce and I had an idea to kind of essentially start a network of podcasts and kind of spin them all off as what happened when. You know, do a WCW version, do an ECW version, do a, a world-class version, do an AWA version, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, before you know it, you could get, you know, seven or ten of these things a week, uh, and there'd be something for everyone. So that's still the long-term goal is to – establish a territorial version that just kind of copies our format with Bruce from someone who was there. Well, that becomes really difficult when you start to survey the landscape and say, well, hey, man, who was anywhere as long as Bruce was there with that level of access? So a guy like Eric Bischoff would be phenomenal on a WCW show. However, he wasn't there for the Crockett stuff. He wasn't there at the very beginning of WCW. He wasn't there for some of the stuff in the middle uh, or towards the end, rather. And the dynamic would be different in that uh, Bischoff has a much more serious way about, uh, you know, disseminating information. And he is uh, in, a, in an unfortunate position where he has to defend a lot of stuff because Bruce can kind of deflect on our show and say, well, that's what Vince wanted to do. Well, the show would be different if it was me and Vince McMahon because now Vince has to kind of die on this hill of why he made that decision. 
Bischoff would have to do the same. So when I started to think, hey, who else could do it? Tony Schiavone was the only option to me because Tony Schiavone was there from 1983. Really think about that. The very first Starcade. Hmm. And he was there all the way through the end of 2001. So he had that one year where he worked for New York. But with the exception of that, he was there the entire time. I also knew that Tony had legitimate broadcast experience. He's still a broadcaster today, doing some stuff with the Gwinnett Braves and the University of Georgia Bulldog Sports Athletic Department. So he's doing lots of you know broadcast stuff already. He's just been out of the scene of wrestling. Well, I had um, the pleasure of having him on the Ric Flair podcast a couple of years ago, back when Rick was doing something with CBS called Woo Nation, and he stole the show. He had a way about him to tell stories that was just unlike I'd heard from him ever before. I didn't realize that he was essentially the Bob Saget of professional wrestling, but he is, and he's hilarious. And then I had the pleasure of seeing him do a one-man show or a Q&A, as it were, at the NWA Legends Fan Fest in Charlotte this last year. And when I remembered his um, his presence and his delivery and his dry wit and sense of humor and colorful language, it became apparent that this is as close to Bruce Pritchard as I'm going to get. Uh, so I sent a well-crafted email to uh, Tony that was probably five or six paragraphs explaining exactly what my vision was. And Tony replied with two words, I'm in. Uh, I didn't realize it, but behind the scenes, a guy that he works with on radio had mentioned, hey, there is this wrestling podcast that you've got to hear. It's something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard, and there's this guy, Conrad Thompson, on there. I think you did a show with him with Rick once. You should do a podcast with him and do the WCW version. So his uh, broadcast partner in radio had actually pitched my concept 10 days before I did. Uh, so when the email came, it felt serendipitous, and Tony signed on, and we're getting going now. And I'm happy to say that our first episode with Goldberg has done more than 200,000 downloads, which mm. has to be a record for a debut podcast. I mean, just from scratch to 200 and under a month, we're really proud of that. At what point did you know, starting with something to wrestle with, because it sounds like you know right off the bat right now with what happened when, but with something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard, MLW Radio, because you're at 30 episodes now, just did WrestleMania 6, absolutely fascinating. What episode into that did you realize, wait a minute, this thing's catching fire, this thing's taking off? I, I, I have a guess, because I've listened to every single one, starting with Dusty, on to Mega Powers, Lex Express, Ultimate Warrior, all the way up through. It, was it the TNA episodes where this thing caught fire. Which one was it that you were like, wait a minute, this thing has got a rocket strapped to its ass? Uh, the Radicals episode. The Radicals episode had an okay first day, uh, but the word of mouth made a monstrous second day and somehow an even bigger third day and a pretty doggone good fourth day. It kept building. And that was the first time where we looked at each other and thought, hey, these numbers can't be right. This is way too many. Uh, but it kept growing, and previously, our day one downloads had been the best, and then it would kind of dip a little bit after that. But the word of mouth on that one blew up uh, and shocked us. But you're exactly right about TNA. Uh, that thing did another level. At the time, we were doing, you know, 100,000 average a week, um, and then the Radicals one, you know, all of a sudden does 300, and we're like, well, what in the world happened? How do we bottle this? How do we keep this going? We did the TNA show that no one wanted. TNA had lost our poll multiple times, but we made the decision to release it and do it over Thanksgiving simply because of his travel and my travel. 
we wouldn't have had time to have a poll end on Tuesday morning and then us tape it and have it out there and ready for everyone Friday because Thanksgiving was Thursday. We were both traveling on Wednesday. So just from a time standpoint, I knew, even though no one said they wanted to hear TNA, I knew that the story with TNA would be a hit. We didn't know how big of a hit. It's done more than 700,000 downloads, which is a record for us. It's our very most downloaded show ever. Uh, And the word of mouth on it was tremendous because the day one downloads, again, it's coming out the day after Thanksgiving. They just weren't there. I mean, it limped along. But in time, it was through the roof. So uh, TNA has proven to be a hit for us, and that's not something that ever won a poll. And that's encouraging for me to think, you know what, every now and again, we should just make an executive decision when we know we've got a good show that could happen. Maybe we just don't worry about the poll every now and again and just throw one up because we know it'll work. And I do hope that happens. You made a great point recently in one of your episodes where you you kind of you vented a little bit and you and you, and you let a plea out to the listenership where uh, China was shot down. And I would be fascinated to hear the tale of Joni Laurer, China, the relationships with Triple H, Triple H with Stephanie, and all the behind the scenes machinations that a lot of people that I again you very astutely pointed out, oh, I didn't like her. Ah, oh, she moved on to some uh, salacious career in adult film, and, and I feel like people are cutting off the nose to spite the face and missing out on some real good stuff there. And, and I do genuinely hope you guys get to that China episode. I'm excited for the Houston Wrestling episode. And you, the Rough House listener, if you haven't done it already, and I've pleaded with you before, give them a review on iTunes because if they get to 2,000, and you got to do it before this coming Friday because I get a feeling he's going to pull the shoot if we don't, that Bruce is going to agree to do a bonus show about his departure uh, as unceremonious as it sounds like it might have been from the WWF, WWE in 2008, the firing, why, the aftermath, it's going to be a pretty incredible podcast if we get it. Well, let me just go ahead and give you a spoiler. We're over 2,000 now. Yes. I can't believe it happened that fast. So next Wednesday on Something to Wrestle With, you'll hear the real story. And uh, I've talked with Bruce about this in real life, and when he told me the story, uh, he told me that I was only the second person who knew the whole story, the other of which actually works with the company, and we probably don't want to say who that is. But we're going to tell the whole story next week, and it will be one of our more talked about episodes. It's a bonus show, and it'll be next Wednesday at MLWRadio.com. Conrad, two things before I let you go. And again, I appreciate the time. You get new episodes on, I believe, Monday and Friday. Am I correct? That's right. Tony Schiavone comes out in time for your morning drive on what happened when, 6 a.m. Eastern at MLW Radio, and then something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard comes out Fridays at noon Eastern. Uh, two, two things before I let you go. One, a request, and one, a question. And I'll start with the, uh, the request. I would love if maybe you put up on a poll one time, and I love the poll format, the fact that you let the fans feel interactive with what happened when and something to wrestle with. I would love uh, an episode about... The, the different referees and their involvement, Tim White, Jack Doan, Hebner, Corderas, Nick Patrick, and an episode dedicated to the guys that tend to fade into the background yet are sometimes just as important as the, the combatants and the wrestlers in the ring. I would love to hear some of Bruce's stories and some of the times he's had to communicate through a little IFB earpiece to change the course of a match or a flub from a referee or... Sometimes that they might have taken an unintentional bump. I think that could be a fascinating episode. I totally agree. And, and I think what we might do is actually expand 
uh, beyond just the referees and do an episode about what we might call the unsung heroes of the WWE to include cameramen, production people, uh, get ring crew guys, the people who really make the show happen, who don't ever really get the glitz and glamour of you know, having fancy shoot interviews or articles written about them or magazine layouts or photo shoot. It, you know, let's go ahead and give some love to those who are really doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes, and referees would certainly be a part of that. And my question to you, I've given you a suggestion, but this is your show, your podcast, again, something to wrestle with and what happened when... Uh, probably the most popular, if not the most popular wrestling podcast in the world and podcast in general, joining the likes of a Mark Marin, of a Joe Rogan, of a serial, really truly is incredible. What is your white whale? What is your crown jewel episode? Taking into account everything you've already done, what topic would you love to discuss that you have yet to? Bruce's firing is at the top of the list. You know, the TNA episode was phenomenal, and uh, I'm really excited uh, that we get to go ahead and do Bruce's firing. Uh, I think there's some uh, rumor and innuendo out there where a lot of people think they have it all figured out, but the real story, uh, depending on how much of it Bruce will share, I think is going to have the Internet talking for months. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I understand that there are some topics that, even though we may all think we'd like to hear, uh, Bruce just doesn't want to cover. We're never going to cover uh, this, uh, the Ring Boy sex scandal from the 80s and 90s. Uh, he has been great friends with Pat Patterson for a long time, and he can't tell that story without ever saying his name. So rather than drag his name through that, we just won't do it. That's a shame, but I totally get you know, uh, the great respect of a friend and a mentor uh, and, a, and an ally and a coworker that you would have for a Pat Patterson. And I'd like to, you know, have an opportunity uh, to discuss maybe in more detail than what we can, the passing of Owen Hart. Um, Bruce, if you've read about that situation, you know that Bruce was one of the first guys to realize that something had happened and he was there and he was up close for it. But I get why he wouldn't want to discuss that. So those are the only two things I know of that, uh, are a little bit of a white whale, but they're only white whales because I know we're not going to do them. Well, there's some incredible topics regardless. There's an entire back catalog, 30 episodes into something to wrestle with, four and many more to come with what happened when. Some of my favorites I can't encourage you enough to listen to. Both TNA wrestling episodes. The Lita Edge Matt Hardy episode I absolutely love. The Sonny in the WWF episode. And my favorite, because he was one of my favorites, and it truly broke my heart just to hear Stone Cold Facts, Mr. Perfect, as great as he was and as amazing he was in the ring, wasn't a draw as a young kid. I just didn't know that. I just loved it. I wanted more for him. But to hear someone that was behind the scenes, that knew the truth, that knew the facts and the numbers, Bruce Pritchard, get to explain why. It's it's just incredible for a wrestling geek like myself. And continued success to you, to Bruce, to Shivani, everybody at MLW Radio. And uh, all the success, all the downloads, absolutely deserved. It truly is one of the most incredible, not just wrestling podcasts, but podcasts or radio programs I think I've ever heard. I really appreciate that, man. We're working very, very hard on it. I appreciate you recognizing that. A lot of folks, I don't think, understand the level of uh, commitment that it takes to have this much preparation and research to put together you know, a really long broadcast like that. Obviously, you do, and I appreciate the, uh, the love here today. 
It's something to wrestle with. It's what happened when, and the man that's responsible for both of them, at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, Conrad Thompson. The Rough House Podcast is a weekly podcast featuring one guy whose radio dreams came true and another guy who failed miserably at being a successful broadcaster. Follow us at SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Rough House Podcast. Become a donor to The Rough House at Patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast. And check out our videos at YouTube.com backslash channel backslash capital U-C-E-G-J-2-1 N, lowercase w, capital G, lowercase k, capital P, M, lowercase l, capital D, N, 7, lowercase c, 3, lowercase r, lowercase f, U, V, Q. This is the, the Rough House, Rough House, House uh, podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House Podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.